So I am going to go into a reading, and since it is from the Gospel of John, and you haven't got to stand for a little bit, so how about we all stand? I don't make you do that all the time, do I? It's like the seventh inning stretch, right? So, all right. So this is John 3, 1 through 17. You must be born again. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So last week we started with spring cleaning, and it didn't feel like spring at all. It felt like winter. But this feels a little more springy, and and this is called Lent. And I didn't bring this up last time, and I think, I think Herb's going to be mad that it's not a German root. Uh, it's it's Lynchton, which is a, it's an old English word, is the lengthening of days, which I'm very happy about. We have daylight savings time pretty soon, right? Some people hate that. I love it because I'm a golfer, so I want to be out as late as possible at night. So this Lenten time, this lengthening of days, this anticipation of our Lord and Savior's uh, passion, death, resurrection and ascension. We, this is the whole thing that we're looking forward to. So what did I give up for Lent? Do you guys remember what I told you? Nothing. And I'm continuing to do that. And uh, so I just want to say I'm sticking with that. But I did say one thing that I was going to try to do that thing. I was going to get up first thing in the morning before I did my work and all the other idols I have in my life. Uh, I'm going to talk with God and pray. And I failed. Yeah. God forgave me, and I am going to try again tomorrow. I didn't, it wasn't today. It was, it was a different day that I failed. But I, just, I told you I was going to be accountable, so I'm trying to be truthful here. And you don't have to stand up here and say all the things you didn't do either. So be happy about that. All right. So this idea of getting cleaned up 
And remember last time we talked about that God cleans us through the blood of the lamb, that cleaner that atones for our sins, and then through our waters of baptism that is connected to us, that we become reborn through the water and the word. Remember Luke, you don't want him to baptize you as an adult because he'll drown you. Remember that whole thing? Okay. Everybody agrees with me on that one too. So, um, but we've got Nicodemus here. Now, Nicodemus is supposed to be the guy who knows, right? And Jesus, you can hear in his tone, like, really? You're the, you're the guy, and you don't get it. But there's a reason why he doesn't get it. It's, this, is, this thing called faith is not an intellectual thing. It's not something that you can ascend to. It's not something you can figure out. It's something that has come to you. It is a gift from God. And then the cleaning part is right here. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Nicodemus said to him, how can he be born when he's old? That's a, I mean, really? Uh, can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? My mom's here, and that's even funnier now. Uh, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, which is the born of the flesh is flesh, and which is born of the spirit is spirit. So we are reborn. So are you all born-again Christians? Yes, you are. Now, when I say born-again Christian, what does that make you think of? Y'all stand up and give your testimony? You're born again. I had this magnificent experience that transformed my life, and I gave my life to Jesus. Now, my daughter used to go to an E-free camp where they... Have testimonies. And I'd be like, okay, you're a good little Lutheran girl. So they're going to ask you, what's your testimony? Are you saved? How do you know you're saved? And your testimony is going to be like all the other Lutherans. I was born and I was baptized. Amen. You're done. Okay, there's your testimony. Praise the Lord, right? Well, how many of you had a say in your first birth? None of you. Kind of the same with the second one. It's not up to you. It's what God has done for you. So do you have a witness to your baptism? Well, you're supposed to, right? We have to have somebody to tell you about it, that it's, you're born in through the waters of baptism, that it's actually part of the church. This is the means of grace. So yes, we have others that can even testify to that. Now this idea that all of our faith is a gift from God. We don't deserve it. He gives it to us. Everybody agrees with that, right? I mean, that's, that's takes a lot of pressure off, actually. <laughs> they just have to figure this stuff out. But some of us have had repentance and forgiveness and baptism as adults. I've been blessed to, to do one of those baptisms. Got to do it for a uh, relative's son. And I've gotten, we've had one even in our congregation this year, teenagers that are becoming baptized. And you're going to see this more and more. Why? Because it's not as normative to be a Christian in America. It's post-Christian culture. It's not as normative to have your babies baptized. And so there's going to be, this is going to be more of a thing. It's going to be more like first century. That's the last time we were in an era like this. It was since about 300. We were in a the post, uh, what do you call the post-Christian era started sometime last century, and we're in it right now. It's not the norm anymore to be a Christian in America. 
So why Nicodemus is like, okay, help me figure this out. So Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Now, the good thing about Pharisees is they actually believed in the word of God. <laughs> it's like, so they got, he's got the Old Testament, he's got the scriptures. The Sadducees were more like Greek philosophers that didn't believe in the resurrection, didn't really, hey, yeah, that's a good book. It teaches you some nice stuff, the Torah, whatever. But at least the Pharisees were like, no, this is the word of God. These things actually happened, and I really want to know, which is why a lot of the first Christians came from the Pharisees. And Nicodemus is going to be one of them. So what does Jesus do to help him? He brings up an Old Testament verse. Numbers 21, 4 through 9, the bronze serpent. Remember you mentioned that? It says, from the Mount Or, they set out by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe the worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Well, reading this made me feel like I'm reading Revelation again. <laughs> I went back and rewatched Luke's sermon from February 5th. And I would encourage you all to rewatch it because I think it ties nicely into this. And what that's essentially saying is God is pouring out some bowls of wrath, chapter 16. And we see it right here in Scripture. He purposely harms and kills his own people. That doesn't sound very loving. But as Luke put in his sermon, to not do something, to not care, apathy is about the most unloving thing you can do. So what does this cause amongst his people? It causes them to repent. And then he gives them this serpent on a pole. We have some medical professionals in here. Does that sound familiar? The serpent on the... That's where this comes from. In Revelation 16:1, then he heard a voice loud from the temple telling seven angels, go and pour out on the earth seven bowls of the wrath of God. And... Honestly, I have never really understood Revelation, and I still probably don't, but Luke's helping <laughs> me understand it. But I love the, the, the teaching that there is, a, there is a limit to the wrath. God knows what it is, but there is a bound to it. We also know that we don't understand it. We're like his kids who don't get it. Why is this happening to me? Now, Israel immediately figured out they screwed up. Direct connection. Uh, they're hating God. They're hating Moses. Something bad happened. Not a hard line for them to connect. The good thing is they knew what to do. They asked the Lord to stop it. And he relented. We need to know there are consequences. We need to know that there is a consequence to sin. Not apathy. 
I've had a conversation with many teachers lately who are talking about there's no standards anymore for these kids. They can do whatever they want. And I'm like, that's the most unloving thing we could ever do to any human that we're in charge of. Same thing with God. The most unloving thing he could do is say, keep going on, whatever, sin away, be destroyed, destroy yourselves and everybody else. God doesn't do that. He uses even sin to his advantage. Now, who is the serpent on the stick? And why is he pointing to that? Because we all know that is Jesus who became sin. The symbol of the serpent is sin. Jesus becomes sin. And if you look upon the one who became sin for you, you will be saved for all who repent and believe and put their trust in his saving work. See the connection here? I hope Nicodemus started getting that after he heard this. It's a wonderful thing that God loves us so much that he, well, he has justice. He's doing something about it. And so he sends his one and only son to do something about it. And he doesn't just do it for you. Who did he die for? For God so loved the world. He gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order the world might be saved through him. Jesus Christ died for the world. You, me, every human, all of creation, he did this saving work for us. Wrath sucks. <laughs> Wrath is not fun. Punishment is horrible. But the main reason is that we don't trust ourselves. Somebody even asked Jesus, why did that tower fall on those people? Repent and believe is what he said. Do not put your hope in this world. Do not put your hope in yourself. Do not hope, put your hope in anything besides Jesus Christ. And the, the pains that we all feel this side of heaven. There are some people who think that eventually we'll get this sin thing, thing figured out if we just, you know, get smarter, get better technology, you know, be nicer. It doesn't seem to be working. In fact, it seems to be going the opposite direction. We need, well... More boundaries, not less, probably. I know I do, because as soon as I get freedom, I usually misuse it. I heard somebody say, well, if I won $400 million, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, if I won $400 million, it would destroy my life. I'm so God, <laughs> God, don't give me that. It would destroy me. So this wonderful thing that we cherish called freedom is really slavery, the question is, are you a slave to righteousness or are you a slave to sin? This is good that you come here <laughs> to hear hard words that God has wrath, that he loves you so much that he's giving you boundaries and that he loves you so much that he gives you son as the only way to make it right. There is no other way. We've all been bitten by that snake, haven't we? We all have sin coursing through our veins. It's a disease and there's only one cure, and it's the one who did that for us on the cross, right? Jesus is the only way. 
It's inescapable, and whoever gazes on him and trusts in the promises of God will be saved. That's you, and that's me, and that is the offer to the world that they get to be saved from this awful thing called sin and death. So you born-again Christians, <laughs> what's your testimony? Might be you were born and you were baptized. It might be that you heard the gospel or read it, the Bible, and you repented and you believed. It's still all God working through his word to call you to repentance and salvation. So Ruth, that I was telling you about, I get to see her today. Very, I told her selfishly, I'm, I'm glad she's, uh, well, that she waited until I could see her, and it was a pleasure. She's a wonderful woman, but she's still mentally 100%. You don't see that all the time. And the testimony she gives to the care staff, to her family, to her grandkids, to her daughter, to her friend that got to visit her today, her friend from 60 years got to visit her today, the testimony that she has and the faith she has in Jesus, she knows exactly where she's going. She knows she's forgiven and free. God is using her until her last breath to proclaim him. Now, she's finishing very well. I would say. She has time to make peace with everybody she knows, to tell them about Jesus, to tell her grandkids about what Christ has done for them. That is the best way to finish. So what's your, gonna be your testimony? It better not be about you. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. Your testimony is really the testimony the testimony, the testament of Jesus Christ, that he has rescued you, he has saved you, he has redeemed you, and he's gonna come back. And that's the last thing I get to tell Ruth. I'm like, Ruth, this is until I see you later at the resurrection. And it was tearful and joyful at the same time. And then, you know what? That's what I hope for all of us, that we have this wonderful thing called faith, that Christ has made a way for you, and that you can live well, in the freedom of the cross instead of what the world tells is freedom. So during this Lenten season, I'm going to keep trying to do better. I'll try to do the first thing is to talk to God in the morning. And whatever it is that you're doing, your discipline, I encourage you, do that thing. Because you are testifying to what the Lord has done for you every time you step out in faith and do something. When you love someone, when you tell someone, I prayed with a woman today, I have this stupid rule that if I say I'm gonna pray for you, maybe it's not a stupid rule, anyway, it's a rule. If I say I'm gonna pray for you, I usually offer right then. So I had left and I had to come back and tell her, I'm sorry, here's the deal. Can I pray with you? Because I'm supposed to do this thing and I know it's really super weird, I don't know this woman that well. Her dad had died one month ago today. You never know. God will use just weird things uh, for get people to point to him. So that's our testimony. Our testimony is what Christ has done. Our testimony is what is written in the word, and our testimony is the way we live our lives. So in this Lenten season, let's do that. Abide in Christ and get not cleaning up ourselves. Know that God has completely cleaned us through the blood of the Lamb. Amen?
Will you stand and pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the wonderful gifts you bestow on us. Your spirit, man, he's working. Um, Help us to mostly just get out of the way so he can do his thing, uh, that your gospel would be both proclaimed and lived, that uh, the people of living faith would be ones who will give a testimony, a testimony to what you've done through your son Jesus and This season of Lent, help us to focus, to be disciplined, because ultimately, you're a loving Father, and you want what's best for us. So help us to conform to your will and way every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Have a great rest of the week.